Welcome to the Classic Kicks Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Santora, and today I'm talking to one of the real OGs in the sneaker world, Mr. Gary Warnett. Gary spent years at Crooked Tongues as the content director, and since has consulted for brands like Adidas and Nike, among others, as well as written some great articles for Hypebeast, Complex, and his own blog, Guarism.com. Thanks for joining us today, Gary. <laughs> no, man, that's, that's, it's good talking, dude. I know you don't want to dwell too much on the past here today, but I just wanted to start by asking you a little bit about Crooked Tongues because that's where you got your start in the sneaker industry, and it was really one of the most influential websites and media outlets based out of the UK um, back in the early 2000s when this so-called sneaker culture was really starting to take shape. Um, can you give our listeners a little bit more of an idea of how you ended up at Crooked Tongues and what you did there? I started with that site. Um, I started with Crooked Tongues, like, because back, back, back in the day, um, you know, I think, I don't think, like, Russell Williamson, who still does Udox, um, gets the credit he deserves, you know, sometimes for his contribution to the UK he was, he was one of the guys I met when I went there that one time. You never forget meeting Russ. He's such a don, though. He's such a legend to me. Um, and he, get, he, you know, I owe my career to him. Um, Chris Law, um, Chris Allen, um, Steve Bryden. I'm going to remember, forget names. But it's, those guys really built the foundation. And they kind of gave me, I'd written about hip hop for, do you remember Spine Magazine? I don't think Spine Magazine gets its deeds. No, I don't. So Spine Magazine is the site before Crooked Tongues. It ran parallel. But it had these. It was a UK-based site. It had streetwear, hip hop, um, and uh, sneakers. It kind of ran these features on Air Max Plus, TN, and Rifts and Kikinis. Some of that might have been on the original iteration of Crooked. But and I remember looking at that and going, "Wow, someone, someone's into the same stuff I am." It's like a lot of that stuff, you know, the early kind of internet stuff. And, and Crooked really came from that. Crooked came from Spine. So I was writing for them in, like, that magazine was, like, they were, I remember sending them these these reviews of, we kind of would review old hip-hop albums. And I always remember, like, Spine was one of the first magazines I saw that really, really, really gave a high mark and really, really, really pushed Operation Doomsday by MF Doom. Now everyone seems to talk about it like everyone was into that album. And I don't think anyone hated it, but a lot of people didn't know about that. You know, album. I was playing that in the store one time and Mark Ronson came in and he asked me what it was. He didn't even know what <laughs> so it was. It's so weird, right? Yeah. Like, but that to me was that kind of, that was that world story. So basically you're looking at the site and you're like, oh, there's a feature on MX Plus. There's a really positive review of Operation Doomsday. There's a feature on Zoo York. You know, before the Echo Takeover, and it all sounds very naive now because you can go on to Hypebeast, you can go on to any sites and you'll see all these things brought together. But there was a time 16 years ago, which is a really long time ago, um, that was genuinely quite staggering. And they was based in the UK. It was mind-boggling. For me, it was Grand Royal magazine, even though there were only a few issues. Dude, it, the first changed few. my life. 100% <laughs> changed my life. Dirt magazine as well. There's a whole load of magazines in that period, but Grand Royal joined the dots beautifully, you know? It had an essay on something niche. And I remember reading that, and there was a one of my favorite movies is uh, Ladies and Gentlemen, the Fabulous Stains. You ever seen that? Film? No, I haven't. Kind of cool. Um, um, and it had kind of it's just a strange movie um, about a female rock and roll band. Like they're supposed to be like the Go Go's, I think. No, they're not meant to be like the Go Go's. They're meant to be like the Runaways, I think. And um, 
It's got a really early Diane Lane appearance. It's got Ray Winston, but it's really unusually. It's got sort of loads of the members of the Sex Pistols and the Clashes themselves, not as themselves, but pretty much playing themselves. It's interesting. But it had an oral history of that for 10 pages once. Like, and it was that kind of thing in like that magazine. So you got an oral history of that. And then you got an interview with Vincent Gallo. And then you got features on Adidas. You know, but that's why I think the, Beast, the Beastie Boys were so, so important because they joined the dots on so many cultures. You know, the same way they would have like a minor threat cover version and then do the hip hop thing. You know, it was, it didn't seem like it jarred. It was all, it was all like, it all worked together. You know, there was no boundaries there. I was just reading that X large book, you know, the history of that brand again, like that brand is so amazing to me, you know, like it was so legendary, but we had that, but spine magazine did this kind of, it brought these things together in a kind of proto blog way. I think part of it used blog.com. Was it, it was like a kind of app you put into sites. It looked complicated. There was a lot of animated GIFs and Flash features and things because they were an agency as well, so they were trying to showcase themselves. But that kind of gave birth to Crooked um, in, like, early 2001, even though they teased it throughout the end of 2000, I think. It, it was, But they um, – I kind of stuck writing, like, my bad hip-hop reviews, and I would use terrible cliches. It would be like, rolling, boom, bat, bass lines. It's really bad. I could never look at it again. But I would do like kind of retrospective reviews of things, albums I loved, like um, Untold Truth by Legal and like Artifacts albums. And I think a lot of them consider and Hard to Obtain's album, Ism and Blues, which I think a lot of them are kind of considered classics now. But I'm sure at the time they were just old 90s albums. They weren't that old. You know what I mean, they were like seven years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Now they're that's, Yeah, that's well, that's seven years is ancient in hip hop terms. Yeah. And now think about it, add like 16 years onto that. And we, um, you know, like the Stone Age. And we, um, but we would like they kind of started that site and i remember just being like wow and the forum on there and uh when they did the new balance collaboration in 2004 i think the day i went in to have my first job interview with crooked tongues because it had been very much a online relationship um it was chris Allen that kind of gave me my break there so um you know he he would um it was very email led and it just transpired that the creative director, Chris Laws, like from my hometown, like the end of my road, it was a complete coincidence. And um, he was um, – I started there in like 2004, um, like freelancing. I don't know what I was doing features on. And also I think I started doing stuff with Sneaker Freaker around 2003, 2004. And that kind of – I remember like the power of Crooked Tongues back then was that it was the first time I would see things. And, and I didn't come on full time until I think the end of 2005. Um, and it, even then I remember that, that sense that I'd missed the boat, you know, not of the company. The company was great, you know, and we was the agency as well. But I felt like I'd missed something, you know, like this early kind of golden era of, of – uh, it's not really a golden era, is it? Or maybe it is. I'm trying to think in terms of how do they do comic books, Bronze, Bronze Age, Silver Age, Golden Age. So maybe it was kind of a golden age. We're not kind of Neil Adams, uh, Green Lantern era, and it was. But I mean, we were. It, it was very retro-led. But I remember just I felt like I'd missed a lot of that good stuff, and um, and I think even then, like collaborations were being hammered. You know, it was like a shoe every month and things. Because I think the Superstar Thirty Five campaign was amazing. You know, the Adidas one from two thousand and four, or was it two thousand and five? Jeez, I'm getting old. It's two thousand and five, wasn't it? And it was um that was doesn't that really created a 
bench a blueprint for collaborations to follow and they're still doing it you know still trying to reel out that we'll do a different collaborator you know like every month or this you know every week as part of our anniversary celebrations it's really copied and i think people do a really bad job of it you just mentioned sneaker collabs a second ago what's your take on them now are there too many is anyone doing them really well what what do you think half these collaborations that come out i mean there's great stuff um and i like to see people kind of you know I like concepts doing that, you know, when concepts kind of raise the bar with those kind of in-store fits, you know, like, and they, they launch things and they make it feel special, you know, they make it memorable and they do interesting shoes. They do some colorways of shoes that are actually just nice. You don't have to hear a story to understand that they're nice. You know, it's not so, and, and I like what Ronnie does with Kith because I think what they've managed to build there is just amazing. And, and I like, the fact that he's doing a shoe this weekend that's made in Japan. It's like an Asics Joe Light 3, but, you know, Joe Light 3 is getting kind of played, but he's doing a made in Japan version, which I think is nice. It kind of adds something to the whole thing. Um, and also they've kind of upped the apparel offerings to almost become an apparel brand, you know. I like what Pata does. and But but the thing is, is things are getting very anonymous with collaborations. And every weekend these things just drip out. And there's, I don't know if there's even an inline market for a lot of these shoes. They're just collaboration shoes, you know? There's just so many collaborations out there. The, I, I, can't, I can't understand. When I, when I kind of um, – when Crooked Tongues ended, I remember thinking, I don't – like I would talk to – you know, I always keep my ear to the ground. I always, you know, look at like Complex, Soul Collector, High Beast, you know, all these sites. I keep an eye on them. I wouldn't say I'm particularly a follower on social media, particularly beyond Facebook or Twitter. Some, actually, I am. I'm lying. I, I follow on Twitter as well, some of these stores and magazines. But I don't necessarily keep – I wasn't paying attention. And someone would say to me, oh, have you heard about the fucking Violet Ducks? I made that up. It's not a real thing. Um, and I'll be like, what? And they'll be like – and they're like, they're coming out again. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know – I feel like Homer Simpson when they ask, you know, he's just itchy and scratchy where he voices Poochie and the kids ask about, the kids ask about um, how I get the wizard's key in the itchy and scratchy video game. And Homer says, what the hell are you talking about? I feel, I don't know all this stuff. And I thought, oh my God. Okay. So I'm reaching this age. I've grown out of it. Um, you know, I, I've obviously, I've lost interest in, in sneakers. You know, I was almost happy about that. You know, and then I kind of thought, uh, now I'm screwed because I haven't got any, <laughs> any skill set. I'm done. That's me. I'm on the scrap heap. And um, but then I thought, no, I am still into shoes, but this stuff just sucks. You know, like it's all the <laughs> yeah. same. Yeah, it's like a same colorway. It's the same colorways. It's like oh, we've done. It's boring. You know, it's lame. Like it doesn't seem cool to me. You know, so I'm glad like the retailers I mentioned before are trying to raise the bar, you know, and bring something to it or create their own communities for product. But a lot of collaborations are no good. Like they're just no good. And you know, people are like trying to draw inspiration from places. Where I'm like, what? Yeah, huh? yeah, I know. Sometimes it's like I appreciate the storytelling, but sometimes it's like I, I, don't, I don't see the connection. Yeah, look, I, and I'm not saying this because we're on the farm with you right now. Right. Let's just take a case study. Classic Kicks Vans. Fans in those colors you always wanted from the old ads. Fucking thank you. There you are. <laughs> yeah, right. That's all but, it was. <laughs> but that's all it was, right? 
And I've I've got I was looking at the, and not just because we're having this conversation. I was going through some shoes recently. I found my box, nice box. Found them. I found the um. I found was it the Authentics or the Eras? Um, the Eras. I think it's it's the Eras. Yeah. In a in a brown and kind the, of those are the brown. best. I've 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 been wearing a new pair every summer since uh, two thousand seven. Right. I love that shoe. It's crazy where we came from. You know, it, it, but to me, it's a concept. But it's so flawless in terms of how it's executed. But now it's like, oh, we base this on an old grave rubbing of, in our local town. I don't care. Like, it's, it's like, really? Like, I like the fact that, you know, I know we need concepts to justify the existence of stuff. I've done projects where they demand almost a mood board to go with things. They didn't used to do that when they originally did collaborations. But now it's very much like, and I understand because there's a whole machine around it. But... I know they've tried to pretend that colorways of shoes now, you know, the classic Nike colorways were inspired by a specific thing. We know they probably weren't. It's all part of the narrative. Mm -hmm. But I look at things and I'm like, I don't, I like the original color of an Air Max 95 because it's neon and gray and it looks awesome, you know? And I think, and I know there is one aspect that, and, and the close that comes to being very conceptual beyond you know the actual design which i know is human body inspired as has been reiterated time and time again but it's it has that dark soul because sergio lozano said that he wanted it you know to not get muddy you know could keep it will give it a bit more longevity that's amazing you know the way it goes darker and then gets lighter as it goes upwards on that kind of gradient upper that's as much of a concept as i need in my life you know and in the case of like an infrared an mx 90 infrared yeah it's trying to highlight the cool stuff it's got thermoplastic panels. Cool. We'll put them in infrared. It's got a slightly bigger bubble. Cool. We'll highlight that in infrared. Now it's like, you know, you know, I don't need to be told why like the 1996 Air Force ones with the snake swoosh are good. I don't need to be told they're based on fucking Q the winged serpent because they're not. It just looks good because it's got snake skin. You know, I just think like, I don't need like a kind of, and I needed to turn into a nursery school sit-down storytelling <laughs> session, you know, to like a shoe. And I think it's made a lot of things lame. Yeah, for sure. Like when you twin that with like these chinos with the little cuff and those colorful stance socks, with like, it, 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 it just looks, I don't, the aesthetic doesn't sit right. It, 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 to be diplomatic, a lot of people love it. Things don't need this nonsense. And I think maybe we're kind of growing out of that. I hear people say, oh, this brand's not going to use do as many collaborations going forward. But then I kind of think maybe it is. You know, well, I'm I don't seeing know. some brands that I don't know what they're putting out that's not a collaboration. That's my point. I feel bad firing shots by naming any of these brands. <laughs> yeah, I think we both know. Uh... We're going to sit on the fence. <laughs> but we know who they are. And the thing is, is I, I, know, I understand that struggle. But then I think, I, can it, is it sustainable? Like, I used to think Reebok did too many collabs at one point. But their gum and white leather shoes, the way they're bringing them, I, to be honest, I go into shops sometimes and I'm like, if someone told me I could buy anything in the store, I might just buy those. Because it's the antidote to a lot of nonsense. I think kids have this new appetite for innovation. I look back at, like, but I mean, going back to the MX-95, do you ever look at that shoe and think, Okay, so that's 95. When did the first, I mean, I'm reaching here, but do you know when did the first iMac come out? Was that like 97? You know, Is like that the, the bubble one with the colors? Yeah. Uh, we Surely now, the yeah. Air Max 95 had an influence on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 
no, unless that was the prevalent mood at the time and I'm missing out on a very significant but thing that, that may have influenced both. That happens, yeah, that happens too. The little particles are in the air and you just, they get pulled down and, and Yeah, but things. you could imagine like the designers behind these things, you know, like wearing that, you know, because it's the kind of shoe that may appeal to a design mind. And um, I always imagine that maybe that was kind of the legacy. So a lot of what we're seeing with, you know, that new, that new, um, the, the kind of that that new era of Apple kind of came on the back of the 95. Now I think maybe that that era is influencing uh, design around us, you know, footwear, and there's an expectation from kids. But I think, unfortunately, that kind of expectation from kids, that immediacy makes people want things, you know? Like it was, you you have to have things. And that leads to this kind of cue culture. Let's backtrack just for one second because it'll lead us to what you're doing now. Um, once Crooked Tongues ended, what did you start doing at that point? Um, I had a good freelance thing popping. I had a really good relationship with Nike, um, really, you know, who've been incredibly good to me. And I, you know, again, it's been a privilege because I've worked with brands and they are brands I love. You know, like I I'm happy to sell out <laughs> because there were brands I love anyway, you know, whether it be, you know, to any of these guys, you know, it, it's been, I've worked with, with brands I really enjoy. So I really went straight into kind of doing some other projects. I think, um, I had, um, trying to think, I kind of, I remember having these doubts, um, you know, like, uh, cause, cause it's a lot, like a lot of things, you know how it is. You, you have a job and then someone comes and kind of, it put, you don't, and people say you moan and you whine and you just, you know, especially being a Brit, we moan about everything. <laughs> you know, we paid to write about shoes. It's like, you know, you should just, you know, be quiet. But, you know, I don't realize that until it was gone. But then I kind of, um, but I'd always kind of be like, I need to leave, you know, because I'm getting myself typecast. Now I'm happily, happy to be typecast. And um, I kind of, you have to almost be shoved, don't you? And and that obviously was me being shoved into the freelance world. And um, I remember having these doubts and being like, and then like some friends from Nike, I think one of the first things I worked on was, I'm trying to think the first fruits or anything, was um, and the thing is, I really enjoy is being able to work on things that I'm not, I would say, outside my comfort zone, but not necessarily on the history side of things. And then we wrote a billboard. One of the first things I ever saw was a billboard for Coach Gino for the Yukon women's team for March Madness. And it was on display above, um, you know, that road that Macy's is on. Is it 34th Street? Yeah, um, 34th. Yeah. And it was, on, you know, that big thing above, um, is it a Models or is it, you know, there's a sports store. There's yeah, a, I think it's Models now. It was on that billboard. And it was what I'd written, well, you know, with some editing and, you know, work with the guys because it was a piece with brand design there. And it had just do it at the end of it with the swoosh. And I was just like lifetime ambition fulfilled, you know. You know, that was it. And I remember thinking then I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe they'll give me some more work, you know, and um. I still feel like now I would like to kind of do um, a full-time job again, but I'm happy in that I've been too busy to get a full-time job. I do sometimes feel like I'm repeating myself, like I've become a bit of a, you know, it's about the shoe historian thing. Yeah, sometimes even myself, I, I'm like, you know what, I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep looking back and telling these old stories. I mean, in a way, it relates to shoes that are out now, so. I want to do that as well. And I've had the opportunity to talk about it. The thing is, it's just through that, is just I remember doing a thing with Nike basketball, which is an amazing, you know, that's my favorite category 
maybe after um, ACG. Uh, fuck it. I'll probably, it's probably a whole handful of categories I love. Um, but let's just say I love Nike basketball. Um, grew up obsessed with Nike basketball. And I remember being out there and it was like, I'm out in port. I remember the week before I was moaning about how I was like, I think I was complaining to a friend that I was going, I think I'd had to like write about Air Mac. And then I kind of went out to Portland and um, there was, um, we did a thing before the Olympics. So it seems like time, it's four years ago. So here I am talking about things I did four years ago. And um, I think I interviewed, like, the first day I got chased, after I got chased by a goose um, on campus, try, after trying to put it on Instagram. And then um, I immediately had to interview Tinker Hatfield. And I think in the same day, Aaron Cooper, um, I think Eric Avar, Mark Smith, who else was there? You know, and Eno, and uh, who else? Wilson Smith, who's crazy underrated. You know about Wilson Smith? He was like, because he's amazing. He was like um, Tinker's like he, assistant architect, and he brought him on as a shoe designer. And loads of those amazing spin-offs you see. You know, like the kind of takedowns. He's done some major shoes, but a lot of the takedowns he's done as well. I think he's responsible for the more up-tempo, you see. It was one of the big projects he was given. So he did the more up-tempo, and Tinker Hatfield hated the more up-tempo. You know, like, but obviously, you know, I, it, it became kind of iconic. So it was that sort And I remember doing that trip and just having, like, the best time ever. I think Tracy Teague as well, we interviewed. It was just the best thing ever. I remember making that, I remember coming back from that and being like, eh, you do take this for granted, you know? You really take this for granted. So I've tried not to since, you know? So much sneaker content out there now seems to really be the same. Um, being that you've been around for so long and a writer yourself, what type of sneaker content do you personally like to consume? I like it when someone comes from a complete outside of you, um, you know, fairly objective. Um, you know, like I, I enjoyed that. Do you remember that Wired piece recently about uh, sneaker preservation? And it was just good. It just didn't, it felt real. It felt proper. It felt like nicely researched. Because in this world where we, we feel we know about this stuff, we don't tend to get citations. Do you know what I mean? We put our own opinion forward. And that's why I say I don't feel like a journalist because sometimes I just put my opinion forward and I'm like, that's just an opinion piece, you know? There's no citation. There's no proof. There's no evidence, you know, of some of the points that need backup evidence. But I really like some of these articles, you know, that are coming in there. Um, and it's interesting, some of the best, the best stuff and some of the lamest stuff is from outsiders as well. You know, I think like I've seen articles recently that have made me feel a little bit sick, you know, on the back of like, I think the Yeezy mania um, that have been like, you know, wide as a mark. But I think, I, you know, some of the best stuff has been from a non-sneaker perspective. But I, I mean, I'd be interested to see if that kind of, I would like to see a book by um, someone, you know, on that objective level about the rise or the change, you know, the way that entered the, ni the niche, entered popular culture like it did in the last few years because it's crazy it's just absolutely crazy and i think it's you know that's i felt that when crooked closed it just kind of caught the sort of start of something even bigger um you know and obviously when classic kicks closed it kind of was just before i think you know it was in that downtown but i've never seen these things be so popular i've never seen this be so mainstream do you think adidas has finally caught up with nike lately there's loads of good stuff from both brands. Like Adidas is particularly strong right now, undeniably. Even like 
even the biggest at Nike Stan has to admit Adidas is doing some impressive stuff, whether you like the NMD or not. It's huge. It's huge. And you can't deny that's what kids want. And the way they're retroing things, the quality of their retros and the price of their retros, you know, and then Nike's doing some amazing stuff. What I'm not seeing, I would like to see something wilder on the innovation front. You know, I feel like every now and again, a technology comes along that pushes these things forward, whether it's like Harachi with that stretch. I think Lunalum really pushed things forward. And I think in 2000, was it four years ago when Flynet came out, it just was a complete game changer. You know, I know that sounds like stating the fucking obvious, but it, but when that shoe came out, it was like the, the it, some, I must remember seeing that at the New York launch and being like, that's an instant classic. Yeah. Yeah. The black and white one was the first one I saw. And I was like, what yeah. is this thing? Um, we had tried to kind of, you know, we tried to force classic. People were like, what's a future classic going to be? And the best question is, what will they retro in 10 years' time? You're like, just enjoy them now. Some speculating. I hope they're not retroing anything. I hope our feet have evolved to be like pegs that glide and we don't need shoes. But, you know, we, I hope, I, I really hope that the, same, the current trend, you know, the next generations, you know, can turn on the younger generation, you know, like turn on the generation before them and keep just demanding something new because brands have to react to that. Well, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, these brands pushing each other to react is really what's necessary in order for the sneaker industry to evolve and really keep it fresh and exciting. I'd like to thank our guest, Gary Warnett, for joining us this week. If you want to learn more about him or his work, check him out at guarism, G-W-A-R-I-Z-M.com. Right, dude. Nick, enjoy the rest of your evening, sir.